Hello, everyone, and welcome to The J-Spot. I am Jacqueline Clorzio, and I'm so happy to be here and talk to you about Botox, which is really the most common medication used in aesthetic medicine. I do want to make it clear that Botox does not fill any lines. It's not like a filler, right? It's not injected into the dermal layer of skin to smooth out fine lines. It really works on those wrinkles that are formed by dynamic movement. When you paralyze the muscle or relax the muscle, it allows the skin a chance to bounce back and stop being creased so much. And by doing this, that essentially will smooth out the lines, not the actual Botox itself. Botox is kind of the gateway drug in aesthetic medicine. I call it the gateway drug because it's usually where people start. They start with Botox and then they progress to other things like filler, radius, threads, lasers, but usually Botox is like your bread and butter treatment. A little bit about Botox, just so we know kind of where it came from and what it does, okay? Botox was first used in the 1970s. They were using it for, in ophthalmology for eye disorders, spasms, strabismus, and they were using it for this for a while, and then they decided to start using it for muscular disorders, and they realized that if you inject it into muscles of the face, it can actually lead to anti-aging. It wasn't until 2002 that Botox first got approved by the FDA for cosmetic use, and this is our old-school brand, Botox. One thing I do want to clarify is that Botox is a brand. That's a brand by a company named Allergan that they trademarked this name, Yes, you'll see providers using it as kind of a common term for all of the neuromodulators or neurotoxins, but it is a brand name. The actual active ingredient is botulinum toxin A, which is a toxin that's harvested from bacteria um, called Clostridium botulinum. And basically what this does is it paralyzes muscles. You cannot put Botox topically or just rub it all over your body and it paralyze the muscle, what you need to do is it's transmitted into the body through either injection, ingestion, or like through a wound or infection. The only way that we do it in aesthetics is through injection, right? We want it to act locally. Botulinum toxin A, when ingested, will cause you to not be able to eat or drink. So they tell you that you cannot give babies honey because if Honey sometimes is contaminated with botulinum toxin A, which then can cause the baby to not be able to eat or drink. And obviously, we don't want that. But when injected, Botox actually just acts locally to the muscle that it is injected into. It blocks acetylcholine receptors. So it basically stops the muscle from being able to contract. When you contract these muscles that are on your face, they cause your skin to crease. So at first, they're dynamic wrinkles, right? They're lines that you make when you raise your eyebrows, when you get angry. And then over time, combined with collagen loss as we age, we start to see that these wrinkles become static wrinkles, which are wrinkles that we have at rest. So the genius that said, let's do this for anti-aging, now created a huge market that is now kind of the fundamental of our industry. All the toxins are very similar, but there's three main ones that you usually see, and there's some on the horizon that will be coming. Botox is the oldest. We also have Dysport and Zeumin. Another toxin we have is Juveau. Um, But I would say the two most commonly used ones are Botox and Dysport. Do they differ much? No. 
Okay. I always tell my patients, it's going to give you the similar effect, right? It's paralyzing the muscle. One difference with Dysport is that it kicks in a little bit quicker. So people start to see it at 72 hours versus seven to 10 days with Botox. I do still tell people though, that it's two weeks to get the full effect. So I never have anyone come in for a touch-up before two weeks unless there's a special circumstance or they have an event coming up or something like that. Botox will last you three to four months. So when a patient comes in and gets treated, I basically tell them to come back in three to four months. Let's talk a little bit about where you can get injected with Botox, right? Because I have people are like, can you just put this all over my whole face and maybe my whole body while we're at it? And I'm like, do you want to be a vegetable and not be able to move? Like, so basically there's a few main areas. So between your eyebrows, you know, those 11 lines, that's called your glabellar region, right? There's three muscles here. They bring the eyebrows in and down. They also work with another accessory muscle called your nasalis, which is the band-like muscle on your nose. This muscle causes those bunny lines that you see when you scrunch up your nose. So a lot of times we'll be treating those with Botox to kind of relax that area. By doing that, we kind of raise the medial or the most center part of the eyebrow because those muscles are your depressors. They bring the eyebrow down with movement. So if we stop it from moving, we're essentially raising the brow. The other area that we treat, and I think people know this one the best, is the frontalis. It's a vertical muscle that makes horizontal wrinkles on the forehead. It's what raises your eyebrows. This is a super, super cautious area for me, like when it comes to injecting, because you really have to pay attention to people's eyelid anatomy and the curvature of their brow. You don't want somebody to have a spocked eyebrow or a peaked eyebrow, but you also don't want to treat them heavy where they can't open their eyelids. So depending on their anatomy, their age, their skin laxity, this is how we determine the dose for the forehead. And then another area you probably know is the crow's feet, right? When we smile, we make those spiral type wrinkles. This is your orbicularis oculi muscle. It's a circular sphincter muscle around the eye. It makes those spiral wrinkles and it pulls down a little bit of the tail of the brow. So when people want a brow lift, what we do is we paralyze underneath the brow and we treat less heavy above the brow. We are paralyzing the muscle that pulls the tail of the brow down, but we're not fully paralyzing the part of the muscle that elevates the tail of the brow. So therefore you get a, a brow lift, which is really, really popular right now, especially with all celebrities like Haley Bieber, um, Bella Hadid. Shout out to her last fashion show where they painted the dress on her. I would never be able to do that. Um, but this look is very, it's people desire it. The amount of people that come in that want that lateral lift. So I always explain how that works because people are like, why are you putting Botox under my eyelid? Basically, if you just relax that muscle under the eyelid and then don't relax the muscle above the eyelid, you'll get that lift. When we move down to the mid-face, like the cheek area, there's not much we can do in this region. Really, it's hard to treat superficially without the risk of hitting one of the muscles that affects the smile. So we don't treat with Botox in the mid-face because you have to be able to eat, drink, open your mouth. And I don't want anyone not being able to do that because I love eating and smiling and doing things that involve these muscles. So we don't normally treat here. 
As we move down to the lower part of the face, this is where we can start treating again. Things like a gummy smile, right? People who show too much of their gums when they smile. You could actually put two injections on the side of the nose and it'll lower the lip, covering more of the gum. Another area, and this is a super popular thing to get right now, is a lip flip. A lip flip is when we inject Botox right above the upper lip. There's a circular muscle that's almost similar to the eye muscle called the orbicularis oris. And it basically makes that smoking motion. So when, you, when people smoke a cigarette or when they drink through a straw, that circular like motion that they make with their lips is caused by this muscle. If we relax it, we are essentially stopping you from making those vertical lines. It also causes the lip to become more everted, meaning when we smile and we lose part of our lip, it's because that muscle is turning the lip underneath. If we relax it, we are everting the lip. So people get more red of their lip exposed, which is kind of like gateway to lip filler in a way. People, It's never going to be lip filler, but if people just want a little bit of an enhancement, it's nice. I always explain it's never going to be substantial because some people think that it is going to be the same as lip filler, and it never will be. If we keep moving down the face centrally, you know, we have a muscle in our chin called the mentalis. This muscle, you know, makes that pudorange type of appearance. It's called orange peel in French. When I see people who have a dimpled chin or when I see them concentrating their dimpling their chin, I always will recommend the mentalis just because it does age us to have texture on the skin. So people usually end up loving this, even though it's something they never even thought about and knew existed. And I feel like so many patients come to me not knowing that this is an option. So I love when I find somebody with a strong mentalis who could really benefit from Botox because it's such a small amount of Botox and it makes a huge difference. So do you know those people who have like the corners of their mouth that go downward? This is caused by something called the DAO or the depressor anguli oris. It's a muscle that pulls down the corners of the mouth. And people who benefit from this are those people that like always look sad. You're like, why are you sad? Like, why do you never look like you're smiling? Um, So if this is a strong muscle, we just put a few units on the corners of the mouth and it kind of will lift the corners of the mouth up. I highly, highly recommend that you go to a skilled provider for this because if they happen to get into the wrong muscle, which is usually the DLI, which is pulls down the bottom lip. If you are to get into the DLI, you then won't be able to smile and pull down the, the bottom of your lip. When we talk about more therapeutic uses of Botox, like reasons that aren't cosmetic, there's a few areas that I like to talk about. One of them is called your masseters, which are your muscles that are kind of along the mandible angle or the back of your jaw. I see a lot of people who are clenching, grinding, you know, really in pain every single morning when they wake up. So a lot of times they'll come in or they'll be recommended or referred to me by their dentist for Botox. This is a thick muscle, meaning it's not like the same dosage as if you were getting it in your forehead or between your brows. I always say it even feels different. Like I think that getting my masseters injected feels like getting a shot in my arm because it's a thicker muscle. So this area, we do require a lot of units. It usually will last you like six months, but I usually just tell patients to come back when they're starting to feel that pressure in their head again or they're clenching whenever they develop symptoms. 
One of my favorite areas to treat with Botox is the underarms for hyperhidrosis or excessive sweating. Really, this is a game changer for a lot of people. I treat a lot of people who are on Zooms all the time or they they have that nervous sweat energy. And by just putting some Botox underneath the arm, and when, when I say Botox, I just want to clarify, I'm just using the brand name. It's botulinum toxin A. It could be any of the neurotoxins on the market. But this basically works on your sweat glands to stop you from sweating excessively. And it's super, super effective. The last area I'm going to talk about is the neck and decollete. There's a muscle, it's kind of like a turtleneck muscle, I call it, called the platysma. It's very, very superficial. It's basically adhered to the skin. But it kind of makes those platysmal bands and necklines that we have, right? It's a vertical muscle. It makes horizontal wrinkles. So if you treat this with Botox, one, you can get a little bit of lift of your skin if that muscle is kind of pulling down which almost gives people a double chin appearance. So it can improve this for certain individuals, right? You have to be the right candidate. But it'll also help smooth that texture and those horizontal lines in the neck, which people usually love. So these are some of my favorite areas to treat. The options are endless. There's a lot of other uses for botulinum toxin, not in cosmetic medicine, but for other therapeutic uses along different specialties of medicine. But I want to share a few stories from current patients and kind of talk about why they get Botox, what the effects are for them, and how it's changed their life getting Botox. So here we go. First, we have Stacy here. She had Botox in her masseters. Hi, Stacy. Hi, how are you? Good, good. So I wanted you to share a little bit about your experience with Botox and kind of just uh, tell people why you got Botox in your masseters for the first place. Yeah, sure. So um, I've had Botox for quite a few years now. Um, always do my forehead. I love lip flips. Um, but I recently about, well, actually, it's been now, I think, going on a year. So I need to come in soon and see you. But um, did Botox in my masseter because I grind my teeth at night. And it was actually getting to the point where it was keeping me up. Um, so, and I would wake up the next morning and my, sometimes my jaw would even be sore. So I did it in my masseter and it ended up being one of the best treatments that I've done. Were you sore after? Did you feel anything or have any side effects after treatment? So I wasn't sore after. The only thing I will say, um, because like I said, I've done Botox in other areas on my face, um, the masseter, it almost, if I remember correctly, it kind of feels like a pop when first injected, um, but it doesn't hurt much, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's definitely a thicker muscle. So a lot of times people say it feels like a shot in their arm because it takes a lot of units to paralyze it. And it's just a thicker muscle that's usually hypertrophied, and spe- especially in people who are clenching. Um, when did you get relief? Did you see it immediately or was it a few weeks after? I believe it was a few weeks after that I felt like I had great relief. Um, I think I maybe noticed a little bit right after, but it took a few weeks to notice full effect. And how long did your relief last? Like, did you have to get a repeat treatment or? Yeah, I did do more than one treatment for the masseter. So it definitely was something where I feel like after, I think, two treatments, I noticed um, like the best results that I've had. 
So because masseters are a thicker muscle, a lot of times you have to treat it multiple times for it to actually atrophy. And with atrophy usually comes facial slimming, which is something that people come in primarily the reason why they want to get masseter Botox is because they want that facial slimming. Did you get facial slimming from it? That was actually one benefit that I didn't realize um, prior to before I had the masseter Botox. And that was a benefit that I'm not going to lie. I definitely liked because it kind of gave that like contoured, um, contoured look. And that was actually something I wanted to ask you because I've gotten to come in and see you in a while. Um, since it's been so long since I've done Botox in my masseter, is that something you have to keep up with to notice results of the slimming effect? Or is that something that once you do it, you kind of always have that effect? So I explain like your masseters or any muscles of the face, like muscles of the body. So like your biceps, for instance, if you work them out, they hypertrophy, meaning they get bigger. If you don't, they atrophy, which means they get smaller. So in order to keep the atrophy of your masseter muscle, you have to keep them fully paralyzed, which means you have to keep treating them. So if you don't treat them, obviously the slimming is going to go away because the muscle is going to be active and working and then hypertrophy again, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> um, would you recommend this treatment to people who clench? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and especially if you're like me, where you kind of like would wake up noticing, like it would almost wake you up when you were grinding your teeth, then I think it's honestly so worth it because who doesn't want to have a better night's sleep? So true. All right. Well, thank you, Stacey, for sharing your experience with everyone who's listening, and I hope to see you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, next we have Monica. Hi, Monica. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good. So I know you got Botox in your jelly roll of your eye, correct? Yes, I do. And for those of you listening, the jelly roll is kind of that bulging part underneath right below the lash line. Um, It's caused by a muscle called the orbicularis oculi, which is the muscle that also causes the crow's feet. That muscle has multiple parts and some people it's hyperactive, which makes them look like they almost like have a little bag under their eye. So Monica, why did you get this? So I started to notice that I really didn't like the way that my eyes appeared in photos. Um, When I would smile, especially the jelly roll, the slight little bag was more pronounced. And I felt like you really couldn't see um, the full width of my eye. And so when I decided to do it, it really improved overall how I felt like I looked in the mirror. It gives a much smoother appearance to the under eye without filler. Yeah, that's so true. So a lot of times models will get this injection done to open up their eyes a little bit more, especially in people who are hyperactive here. Your eyes can really get smaller when you smile. And I think it really helps open up, you know, give that smize type of appearance. Right. Monica, when you get this injected, how, how does your injector do it? Where does she put it? Um, basically just below your lower lash line. And you just look up and uh, the little fold of skin that follows along your lash line, she injects it just along there. So that's super close to your eye, right? Yes, it is close to your eye. Do you feel like it's super painful or do you feel like it's more just because it's close to your eye? It's a little bit weird. Um, it's a little bit weird. It's not painful at all. I would actually say it's less painful than, say, your forehead or somewhere like that. 
Yeah, I feel like that's a surprising thing to people that the under eye, they expect it to be so painful because it's close to the eye, but it's actually like the opposite. Other areas of the face actually hurt more. When you get it, how long do you, does it take to see results for you? Oh, I think I see it even more quickly than other areas of my face. So usually like five to seven days. Um, and I would say that the result lasts about two months, maybe a little bit less than say your forehead, um, because the area is so delicate, but it's probably my favorite procedure. Amazing. And it's honestly a very small amount of units that's used in this area. Um, you don't want to put more than one to two units. So it's a nice little add on, but thank you so much, Monica, for participating and sharing your experience. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. So next we have Ashley here. Hi, Ashley. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Good. So I know you got Botox. Yes. Yes. And when was the last time you got Botox or any neuromodulator for that? Um, Probably about a month and a half ago. And where do you usually get injected? So I usually get injected in my forehead, my like 11 lines, um, and then some like around like where like your crow's feet would be like around the sides of your eyes. Do you like the effects of Botox? Like what caused you to go in and get Botox? What was it for you? So I just like, I've always wanted, you know, my makeup to just go on really smoothly. I wanted to have that like waking up and feeling like good about myself um, feeling. And I've always just wanted to have like preventative Botox. I'm not um, too old to have Botox, but you know, I always could just prevent it at an early age. And what is your age? So I'm 26. Okay. And were you 26 when you started? So I, the first time I got Botox, I was, um, 25. And did it hurt during the procedure? Like, did you experience pain? No, just like a little needle prick, even though I like to use a stress ball sometimes, but (laughs) no, no pain at all. And how was your pain after? Did you have any pain after? Like, did you experience a headache or any throbbing? Um, maybe just a headache, like towards the end of the night, but it was very minor and it ended up going away. And which neurotoxin did you get? So I actually get Dysport. Do you like it? Yeah. So I always, um, I didn't know about Dysport until you told me about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that it was, you know, maybe a better option for someone younger and it was faster acting. So of course I'm like, yeah, give me that, you know? Yeah, for Um, sure. Yeah. So I've, I've had great experience with Dysport. How long does it usually last you before you have to get retreated? Um, I think I personally do it every three to four months. And it, it wears off, but not too much. So it's great. Have you ever had any negative effects? Like, did you ever feel like you were heavy or like a little bit too frozen? Or were you mostly just happy with your results and felt like you got a little bit of lift out of it? Yeah, I mean, I've always been super happy. I've never seen too much or too little. Um I like definitely feeling a little bit more frozen and getting a little bit of lift um, on the outer corners of my eyes. It just makes me feel and like look awake um, all the time. So yeah, I've, I've, it's been great. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. And I'm, I'm glad like people hear that it isn't too painful and it isn't something that you really have to be afraid of doing. So I'm glad you shared your experience with us. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. See ya.
The last thing I want to talk about is Botox contraindications. It's really rare that I'm saying no to somebody getting Botox because there isn't many contraindications to Botox. But I would say the most common one that I say no to is somebody who is pregnant or lactating. I don't care what your OBGYN said or what your significant other said or what WebMD said. We cannot treat this population because there's not enough studies done. They never took a pregnant person or somebody breastfeeding and was like, I'm going to grab some Botox and try this on you and see what happens, right? So basically, because of that, I do not treat anyone who is pregnant or lactating because we have inconclusive evidence. The second population I do not treat is somebody with neuromuscular disorders. Generally, we're treating people who are mostly healthy for cosmetic procedures. So if you do have a neuromuscular disorder, I'm not saying that it's totally out of the like out of the picture for you to get Botox, but I would defer to your neurologist. And then the last population, which I think is, you know, pretty obvious, is if you have an allergy to Botox or a hypersensitivity reaction to Botox. If this is the case, we just don't treat you because I don't want you to have allergic reaction, obviously. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast on Botox. I hope you have a better understanding of one of the most commonly used medications in aesthetic medicine. New episodes for this podcast will be released every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you have anything you would like me to discuss, please DM me at one of my two Instagram accounts. The first one is my personal injection page. It's at Jacqueline Clorizio underscore aesthetics. And then the second one I would say is more important. It's the podcast page. Please follow it for updates. That's at the JSpot Aesthetics. This podcast is not intended to give any medical advice. So if you're seeking medical attention, please contact your provider. I'll see you next week at the JSpot.